We're continuing in our exploration of life and what life is, and um, it's fitting because today we're thinking about how life is kind of like an ebb and flow, and it has its good and its bad and its challenges and its rewards. We're going to get into that by looking at this passage that Wooly introduced to us from John chapter 4. So I'd like you to open up your Bible and follow along with me. John 4, the New Testament, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John chapter 4, starting with verse 1. Before we listen to this together, I just want you to know I have this prayer for you, and it's that the Lord be with you. Now, Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So Jesus left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus... Tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink... You would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and who drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become In them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and then come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you are now with is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. This is God's word, and it's true, and we can rely on it. So I sent all this stuff for the sermon um, before I went on vacation, and then after I've been thinking about this passage, I think I would rename the sermon, Life is Fluid. Life is Fluid. Most of us know that our bodies are made up of about 60% water. And did you know that your organs, the vital organs that keep you alive, are even higher percentages of water? Your lungs, 83% water. Your brains, 73% water. Your heart, 73% water. Skin, 64% water. Even our bones are watery. Your bones are 31% water. Life is fluid. The earth's surface is 71% water. 
Without that water, there's no life. Life is fluid, literally, and also metaphorically. We say that we have to go with the flow. When stuff happens in life, there's ebbs and flows, ups and downs, good and bad. We say we have to flow with it. Life is fluid. John 4 invites us to consider just how fluid life is. So Jesus arrives at this well, Jacob's well, famous well, and he is tired and thirsty. This is the way John describes it. Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. So it's the middle of the day, and Jesus needs a drink. And at this odd hour in the heat of the day, a woman shows up to draw water. This would not have been the normal time to come to the well. Normally, in the relative cool of the morning is when you would go fetch your water. She's coming at high noon. It's an unexpected meetup. But life is fluid, so we're going to go with the flow. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? And the Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. How can you ask me for a drink? Because Jews and Samaritans don't associate with each other. And Jesus said, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked me and I would have given you living water. The conversation quickly flows from literally talking about water, get me a drink from that well, to talking about a different kind of water. And the woman's intrigued. She's thinking... I'd like some living water. That sounds good. To never have to come back to this well? To not have to do this daily chore? I'd like that. But she's a little bit confused. Sir, the woman says, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. She's baffled. How are you going to get living water? Because you don't have anything to hold it. No container. Where can you get this living water? She wants the water, and I can imagine that at this moment, her thoughts are kind of ebbing and flowing. He has no bucket. The well is deep. Is this guy crazy? How's he going to get that water out of there? And yet, how great would it be if I could get some of that water, if I could get living water? The experts say that we need 64 ounces of water a day to fight off our thirst. Eight, eight-ounce glasses. That's to keep the proper amount of fluid in your lungs and your heart and your brain and your skin. Of course, now we have a lot more choices for how to try to satisfy our thirst than there was in this day. Tap water, soda water, tonic water, vitamin water, spring water. And if you're going to choose spring water, you've got mineral springs or artesian springs or mountain springs, which you can import from Poland or France or Maine or Decatur, Illinois fluoridated or non-fluoridated, smart water, protein water. There's lots of options out there for water. Or we could turn to juices, grape, apple, orange. Or you can make some kind of creative combination, pineapple, banana, kiwi, coconut juice. Yum. Or combine cranberry juice with any other kind of fruit. Or pickle juice which is supposed to be very good for your thirst. Go try it. 
or drink milk, regular milk, skim milk, 2%, low-fat buttermilk, lactose-free, almond milk. There's a lot of options out there. Or choose soda or a sports drink. You could do a different one every day, week after week after week, and never have the same. Of course, we're always going to defer to Dr. Pepper. Okay. Or drink coffee or tea or beer or wine. We drink a lot of things to try to satisfy our thirst. And of course, some of the beverages we drink actually dehydrate us. They actually don't satisfy our thirst. They make us more thirsty. They make us want more, but we keep drinking them. And I wondered if this is part of the problem with this woman who's coming to the well in the middle of the day. Has she been trying in her life to satisfy a thirst? And she's tried many different ways to satisfy. Now I'm not talking literally, I'm talking metaphorically. Has she pursued other things to try to satisfy this? And yet, she's still thirsty. And so when Jesus makes this offer, she says, yeah, I'd like some of that living water. I am tired of being thirsty. Jesus' offer is intriguing. Something that she can drink so that she will never thirst again. And I'm wondering as I'm reading this, if Jesus doesn't have Isaiah 35 in mind, and maybe the woman did too. This is what Isaiah 35 says. The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Yeah, if you're really thirsty, it feels like you're in a wilderness, a desert, a barren place. Would it be great to be able to see that blossom? Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it, the splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands. Steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, Be strong. Do not fear. Your God will come. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. The lame will leap like a deer. The mute tongue will shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and the streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool the thirsty ground, bubbling springs. Doesn't that sound good? I'm experiencing one unexpected consequence of this sermon. My mouth keeps watering. I don't know if any of you are thirsty or not, but that makes me thirsty. It reminds me of an old chorus we used to sing about these passages, John 4 and Isaiah 35. It goes like this. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Opens prison doors, sets the captives free. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Spring up, oh well, within my soul. Spring up, oh well, and make me whole. Spring up, oh well, and give to me that life abundantly. When we were kids, yeah, we did add the splish splash. And if we were ever at camp or VBS, we were hoping to have a glass of water nearby so we could splash our neighbor. And we can't sing it without clapping, with all the the emotions, because this is an exciting idea. Springs of living water gushing forth in a desert. When we are dry and barren and thirsty and we need a drink, what better thing than to have water flowing from within? Like a spring.
Life is fluid. And the river of life does not come from a bucket. It comes from within. The woman at the well tries to discern what all this means, and she's very interested because she is very thirsty. She's so thirsty that she's willing to kind of wade through some confusion. She's a Samaritan woman, Jesus a Jewish man. Jews and Samaritans didn't get along. Women and men in this culture generally kept a very safe social distance from each other. There wouldn't be interactions in public. The conversation should have never started. But she's going with the flow. She was no doubt surprised when Jesus said, can I have a drink? That's unheard of. She was no doubt confused when Jesus said, I could have given you a drink of living water. She's no doubt intrigued. She says in verse 15, Sir, give me this water. Give it to me. I want it so that I can never be thirsty again. I don't want to keep coming back here to draw water. And then Jesus says, "Go, okay, so go call your husband and then come back and we'll talk. Now she's really confused and surprised again. What? This woman at the well wants to know what satisfies. She's thirsty because she has been walking a long, dry, difficult road. Her life has been hard. Life is like that sometime. As the days ebb and flow, sometimes we get hard days, many of them in a row, and they start to pile up. And sometimes when that happens, we start to describe it as like a wilderness experience, or we describe it as like being in the desert. I'm going through a wilderness experience now because the troubles have piled up on me, and now I really feel thirsty. A tragedy or a trauma or a hardship will add to our thirst. Definitely this woman is experiencing that. And we're not told the details about this woman's story, but it has certainly been traumatic. She very easily could have been widowed or have been abandoned or divorced five times. This would have been heartbreaking. And now she's living with a man that she's dependent on to provide for her, to care for him. This is the way the culture worked then. If you were a woman and you had been five times widowed or abandoned or divorced, you would have needed someone to provide for you. So she's living with a man who provides with her, not her husband. There are many other factors, no doubt, that could have contributed to this woman's tragic story. And we don't know how long Jesus talked with her at the well But we know that from the beginning of the conversation, Jesus knows a whole lot more about her life than he should have known. And she is surprised by this. And she says, I see that you are a prophet. Now, this is a turning point in the story. We actually learn this because of the way John uses the word seeing, or maybe you could translate it as perceiving. This is a common theme in John's gospel. 
and it clues us into the importance of this moment. More than a dozen times, people in John's gospel go, oh, I see. And each time it's an indication that they're figuring it out. They're connecting the dots. They're looking at Jesus and they're recognizing something unique about him. It's actually like a confession of faith. So when this woman says, I see that you are a prophet, she's making a confession. She's saying, this, there's something about this Jesus that makes him special. And I'm not sure exactly how this all comes together, certainly by the power of God's Spirit, but I think some of it is because Jesus saw her. Jesus saw her plight. He recognized her. He spoke with her. He engaged with her. He saw her worth, her significance. He's treating her like a real person. And this treatment would have been like a surprise to her because this isn't the norm, completely unexpected. And Jesus saw her need, and then he makes her this amazing offer. He says to her, you don't have to be thirsty anymore. Never thirst again. And she realizes she's in the presence of a prophet, at least. She sees, her eyes are opened. And for this reason, she risks asking a question. If you keep reading down in John chapter 4, sometimes the next couple paragraphs get a little bit confusing But she asks a really important question, and it's a question about worship. He says to her, well, you know, you Jews, you worship in the temple in Jerusalem, but we Samaritans, we worship right here on this mountain. And she asks Jesus, this would have been maybe the, the central question that would have divided Samaritans and Jews. Where do you worship? How do you worship God? She's really asking the question, how do we find God? Do we find God in... Jerusalem in a temple in one place? Is that the only place we can find God? Or is it possible that we could also find God here on this mountain? And Jesus surprises her again. This is in verse 24. God is spirit, Jesus says, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. And the woman says, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he's going to explain all of this to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. I am the Messiah. Jesus says, in effect, God is with you right now. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to go to the temple. You don't have to go up the mountain. God is here right now. And he makes her this incredible offer. These waters represent God with us. And that makes them living waters. That makes them something that we can drink and never thirst again because we know no matter how life ebbs and flows, no matter what ups and downs we face, God is with us. He's not sequestered off in a temple. He's not up on the top of the mountain. God is with you like living water flowing from within. This woman does not require to go track God down somewhere on some temple or on some mountaintop. Jesus says God wants to be with you right now. God takes up residence within and it becomes like a fountain of living water that springs forth in the desert. That's what it becomes like. This woman is so excited about this good news that she leaves her water jar and she runs back and she tells all the people 
I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Opens prison doors, sets the captives free. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Spring up, a oh well, within my soul. Spring up, a oh well, and make me whole. Spring up, a oh well, and give to me that life abundantly. That's living water. Maybe she didn't use that invitation when she went, but she might have used an invitation like this one from Isaiah 55. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. Come, you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the riches affair. Give ear to me, listen, that you may live. Life is fluid. Why drink what does not satisfy? The next story that John tells is another water story, which I think illustrates the thing that just happened here in John 4. This is John chapter 5, verse 1. Later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now, there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool of water, which in Aramaic is called Bethsaida, and it is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Now that's a good question, isn't it? Do you want to get well? Why are you drinking what does not satisfy your thirst? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once, the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. Water gushing in the wilderness. So, what's the state of your refreshment today? Are you thirsty or satisfied? Or maybe somewhere in between? Do you want to get well? Would you like to satisfy your thirst? Life is fluid, and Jesus says, Come to me. All you who are thirsty, and I will give you living water, and it will flow out of you like a fountain. Lord God, I give you thanks for this day and for this word from you and for these good people. And God, thank you for your Holy Spirit who is now swirling over this place and helping us to understand the condition of our own souls and our need for this water. And so continue the good work that you've started in your name. Amen.